Good morning. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Since the reading, please be seated. Well, good morning. We're in a series called Living for Jesus, and uh, we're talking about treasures for Jesus. But last weekend, if you weren't here with us, we celebrated our 25th anniversary as a church. Let's thank God for that. We've been here 25 years. Uh, the, the signs uh, hanging up in the entryway are uh, 25 years young, and, and that's true. Uh, in, in church terms, we're kind of young still. We're in our 20s. Uh, you know, we're living at home, looking for a job kind of thing still. Just kidding. Um, I thought that was a, okay, that was, that didn't, okay. Don't, just a second. Make a mental note. Don't use that at 1030. Okay, I've got that. I will not use that at 1030. But we celebrated our 25 years, and, what a, and we're doing that uh, throughout the year, and we had a panel of charter members at every service come up and share uh, their experiences here at all the, over the years, and, and what it's meant for them, and what a powerful testimony it was to hear from the people that were moving chairs in the grade school 25 years ago as this church got started. And one of the most interesting things that they shared was their stewardship of time and how they've spent their time here and volunteering and volunteering their time. And Pastor Mark's message last week was about time for Jesus, how we volunteer and give our time through uh, our church uh, to, to spread the gospel, to change lives, to live out our mission, which is to enable all to come connect and commit to Jesus. So thank you for the panel and thank you for all of the ways you volunteer your time. A church cannot run simply by staff alone. A church needs your time. A church needs your talents and your volunteering. And so if you're someone who's been uh, volunteering and, and part of our ministries, thank you so much. And if you're someone who's always been thinking about it and not sure what can I do here, what, what, where can I serve, please, please pray about the commitment card and, and just check a box and you can just get information about those things. You're not signing away your life. You're just going to look for information about those areas on that commitment card for 2020. And then a staff person will get in touch with you and talk with you about stewardship of time. That's a big church word, stewardship. What does it actually mean? What is stewardship? Well, I have a slide here that I, I thought would be helpful. Steward in the Greek, which the New Testament was originally written in, um, Greek is oikonomos. You want to say oikonomos? Say oikonomos. That is the Greek for steward. Uh, it's from the oiko, which is house or estate, and nemo, which is arrange or manage. So it is the manager of the house, or as I like the Revised Standard Version the best, it's the householder. what it says in there. Just go back and check your Bible. 
Moving down the slide, a steward then is to oversee, manage a house to arrange the estate or affairs. And stewardship then equals the work or task of managing the house or affairs of another. So from the Greek comes the English word economy. You can hear that in oikonomos, economy. How we, you know, it's managing the resources of someone else. And in biblical times, Jesus knew as he talked about stewards and stewardship, the, the manager of the household or the, the people, the, it was an actual servant of the estate owner, often would live in the home, live in the estate, and manage the affairs, manage all the resources for the owner of the home. And so it was, a, it was an incredible, uh, incredible thing. And when we talk about stewardship, that's what we mean. We mean we are the stewards, we are the managers of what God has given us. Everything we have, the first biblical truth in the first verse of the first chapter of our Bible says God created everything. He is the owner. And we come along in our place in history. And we are given resources from God. Time, talents, resources. And we get to be stewards of them. We are the managers of them. And this flies in the face of someone who says, well, everything I have is mine. I've worked hard for it. It's mine. It's not God's. It's mine. And I can do whatever I want with it. Well, the Bible has a different understanding of of that disposition. It's not yours. It's God's. And in your lifetime, you've been gifted by your creator. Whatever he's given you, your time, your talents, your resources, you're the manager of it while you are still living. That's what stewardship is. The first step is to understand that God made me and all that exists, and as scripture says, I am but a vapor. As you think about all of the years behind us as we sit here today, and eternity in God's heaven one day, Our lifetime on earth is that. It's that. But in that, how are we stewards of everything we've been given by God? Matthew 6, 19, you want to join me there in your Bibles? Let's dive right back into the scripture we heard just read. Jesus is going to teach us three things, three things about our treasures Treasures for him. Treasures for God. The first thing Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, if you want to join me there, is do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So he's saying, do not lay up for yourselves. And you know, there, see, there was basketball in the Bible. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Jesus says, Because they get destroyed, they can be stolen, they'll rust away. Another translation of of the vermin is is erode, rust away. Things Things are destroyed, things are stolen, things get rusty, they don't last. So he's saying don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth because they never last. Jesus warns us about storing up things on earth. Remember this day? Especially those of you in the uh, uh, high finance world. What year was that? It's 2008. Wasn't a good day in our economy, was it? 
And it's a reminder. Things we have, things we store up, things we treasure on earth can be gone in an instant. Back when I was in my college years, I call them my L.A. law years. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, anyone know what I'm doing there? That was going to be me. I was going to live that life. I was going to live the saying, he who dies with the most toys wins. I believed it. I was going to amass a fortune. I was going to rub it in my family's face because they didn't have a fortune, and I was going to be that, and that was going to be my life success. I was going to live L.A. law, and that was going to be it. In those college years, part of that journey, even though I couldn't afford it, was to see how many designer polo shirts I could stack up in my dorm closet. And it was sort of a weird thing. The jackets, the, the sweatshirts, the, 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 the golf shirts, and it had to be from this one designer because it was just the world teaching me that's the one with the most toys wins. So I started then. I stand here today, I don't own one of those shirts. They've, they're gone. They've worn out. They've frayed. They've torn. They've, they're gone. Jesus says, don't store up things on this earth because they don't last. They don't last. Oh, we can tuck them away in a, a safe or a special box, and they, but they don't last. That's the first thing he teaches us. He warns us about storing up treasures on earth. Let's go to the scriptures, 6.20. Jesus says in Matthew 6.20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he says this now. Don't store them up on earth, because they don't last. Store your treasures in heaven. What does he mean? What does he mean? He's not saying in the scripture today, don't be responsible, don't be good stewards of the resources God's given you. He's not saying that. He's not saying don't be smart with your money. He's saying store up treasures in heaven. This asks us a very powerful question. What is your disposition with this teaching? when it comes to heaven. Is that your destination? And if so, the Son of God is teaching us through Scripture today to store up treasures there. Well, how do we do that? I don't think I can call my financial advisor tomorrow and go, move that, uh, move that one uh, monthly contribution to that uh, hedge fund in heaven, will you? What does he mean? Well, Let's think about it in eternal terms. What do you get to bring with you to heaven? Nothing but yourself. One of my favorite jokes is the guy who finds out he actually can take it with you to heaven, stacks his, his, stacks his casket with bricks of gold. He gets there, he starts unpacking and some of the angels see him taking the bricks out of his, out of his, out of his uh, container, and they go, oh, look, he brought pavement. 
referencing the scripture in Revelation that the streets, of, streets were made of gold. But you can't take it with you. So what can you bring? What's it going to be like when it's just you before the Lord? He's not going to ask to see your portfolio. He's not going to ask to see your trophy case. He's not going to ask how much money you died with. So what can you bring with you? All of the virtues that Scripture teaches us. Love, faith, grace, character, compassion. In our lifetime, we're blessed to live. No matter how long that is, we are to store up our treasures in heaven as a destination. We want to be the best Christ follower we can be, to become more like Jesus as much as we can because we are heading to an eternal destination. Jesus says, don't store up your stuff here. It's not going to last. Store them up in heaven. You say, well, okay, great. What can I bring there? Because I can't bring anything with me. You bring yourself. And when it's just yourself before the Lord, he might ask you about love. He might ask you about compassion, faith, character, Rick Warren has a great quote. He's a pastor of the Purpose Driven Life. He says, people are interested by talent. God is impressed by character. Store up things like character, love, faith. That's what we can store up as we look to our eternal destination, Jesus says. So that's the second thing. First thing is don't store up treasures on earth. Second thing is store them up in heaven. Jesus, in the third and final thing in 621, he says this. Here's why. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. What you invest in, your heart's there. What you give your time to, your heart is there, Jesus. What you give your money to, your heart is there, Jesus says. Have you ever crossed... A river on stepping stones. It's a cool experience, whether it's a creek or a brook or a river. Sometimes the, the, the stones have been put there by someone or people who needed to cross that river. Sometimes it's just finding those rocks on the way, right? I want to use this metaphor with you this morning as we think about Jesus saying this. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. My question is, as you think about your faith, as you think about your earthly life and your eternal life, are you going to stand on the last stone? Or are you going to take the last step across to the other side of where you're going? What I mean by that is every stepping stone is a place in our lifetime here on earth. And we're given that opportunity. And as we make our way across our lives, are we going to get to the last stone and stand there and go, well, I guess this is it. Not going to take the next step or leap onto the shore into the next life. And in matters of faith here, we're talking in this metaphor about our earthly life being the stepping stones, the other side of the river being heaven. At the end in the winter of our lives, are we just going to stand here on this last stone and say, this is it. This is it for me. So I better invest everything I have right here. 
Or are we going to take that last step of faith into eternity in God's heaven? Where Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And on that day, I'll come back and take you myself to that place. So where is your heart? Is your heart on that last stone? That's it? Oh well? Or is your heart in heaven? And what you're doing on each of these stepping stones dictates how you manage the time and talents and resources God has given you because your heart is in heaven. Your heart's not on this last stone. I'm going there. It doesn't end here. I'm going there. And Jesus, in teaching us today, says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And if that's my destination and not the last stone of life, it changes the game. It changes how I'm a steward of what God's given me. I want to store up treasures in that eternal destination. So I have to ask, if you're a member of Alleluia, a regular visitor, is your heart at Alleluia? Is your heart here? Is this a place where we are living out the great commission of Scripture where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've commanded you. Is this a place where we get to live out the greatest purpose in life, which is sharing the love of God and Jesus Christ with other people and anyone who comes through these doors and anyone we go out and reach? Is this church, is this community of faith where your heart is? Does it change lives? Has it changed your life? If so, Jesus says your treasure is going to be there. Your treasure is going to be there. And as I started the message today, it needs your time and volunteering to operate. There's no way the staff can do everything without your help. It's also equally true that it needs your finances. 25 years old, we are facing challenges as empty nesters who carried the torch for 25 years are relocating, are moving out of the area, and we have challenges in this area. Let's take a look. Um, Leadership thought it would be a good idea, and I agree, that we should share some interesting data with you this weekend. And let's look together and see where we're at and what's going on. Because I think, you, I think you, should, you should know, and I think it's important. So let's look at a pie chart quickly, visual learners, of our 2018 offerings. We can't analyze 2019 because we're still in the fourth quarter, and we, we don't know how it's going to end, but we can look back last year. The top 10 giving households at Alleluia gave 40% of our annual offering. Think about that. 10 homes. 10 homes gave 47%. The next 40, as we go around clockwise, gave 23%. So you math majors know that 70% of our income came through 50 homes. What does that mean when five of those relocate? Keep going around. 51 through 100 gave 14% of our annual offerings and 101 through 443 giving units. We have more families than that, but that's, we had 443 uh, recorded uh, giving units last year. 
gave 16%. What does this pie chart show you? There's a few doing the most. And this incredible congregation can only be what we all make it. And part of this is because leadership doesn't necessarily think that people know where they stand or what they're giving. Some people might think, well, we give a lot to our church. Well, maybe, yeah, I hope. That would be wonderful. But let's look a little more closely at some information. Let's look at the average offering last year. Taking out the high and low of the giving households last year, because the high would totally skew the numbers. Um, the average offering last year was $2,235 annually. I remember asking my first senior pastor at the church I started working at after college to be a youth director, and I asked him in his office, I said, I said, uh, I said what's the average offering here at this church? And he replied to me, and I'll never forget it. It was 30 years ago. It's like it happened yesterday. He looked at me and goes, do you want to be average? <laughs> kind of put me in my, I was just sitting there like, oh, I wasn't ready for that answer. And no, I don't. I want to be a faithful steward of what God's given me. I don't want to be average. This suggests in the tithing terms that churches use of giving 10% of your income that our average income around here in our church is $22,000 a year. That's probably not true. But this is the average that came in. Now let's look at the rest of the list because it might be interesting for you. The top 10 households, the next line, taking out the top giver, averaged $27,000 a year to our church. And incredible generosity, is that not? The next 10 averaged 19,000. The top 50 averaged 10,000. The giving units 51 through 100 averaged 3,500 a year to Alleluia. The 101 through 200 gave $1,475 to the offerings. Giving units 201 through 300 households gave $444 a year. 301 through 444 averaged $75. Now, to put this in perspective, you can see the discrepancy. But if everyone gave the last line, we could afford a part-time staff person here, and that's it. That's it. So where are we? And where are you? And is God calling you to what we like to call sacrificial giving? I'd like to offer you an invitation this morning based on some of this data. First, prayerfully consider increasing your 2019 offerings. We have uh, a couple months to go. Um, if you have a financial advisor, sit down and talk about charitable giving and the tax benefits of that and just talk about this in your house and, and what is God stirring you to give at the end of the year. Prayerfully consider the next line, increasing your 2020 offerings. Is God stirring you? Last night, someone came out after the worship service last night. They saw that list I just had up. Said, my wife and I are going to double our offering next year based on what you showed. More households using EFT. That's electronic funds transfer. Kathy and I do that every week. If you see the plate, go by my family and you wonder if the pastor's giving offering. We are. It's just not in the plate. It's called electronic funds transfer. It's free to sign up. 
like every other uh, thing you have taken automatically out of your accounts, it, it would be best for our church in a church where we're certainly not um, always here all the time. We're a busy, busy demographic. We have sports. We travel. We see our kids in college. We go to our, our other homes. We visit people out of town. We're just busy. We're working. And it's very difficult, very difficult. So EFT keeps you faithful and current on your commitment. And prayerfully consider sacrificial giving. What does that mean? Let me give you a quick example and let's wrap up here today. Here's, the, here's a quick example of sacrificial giving. Let's go with a cup of coffee. But you can use any $5 expense a week you do each day. Five bucks, you know, I like a little caramel in mine with the, with the you know, frothy. It's, it gets to be about that, especially when you order the secret size that no one knows about. $5 per visit. One less visit a week. So I say, you know what? For my church, I'm not going to do that once a week. Whatever that $5 is. $260 a year, if I do that, my spouse does it with me. It's $520 a year. We can add $520 to our commitment card for next year. And if 400 of our homes do that, not all 443, just 400 of our homes do that, are you ready for the annual total, math people? Let's bring it up. That's another $208,000 annually for the church. 208000 on a Imagine what that could do for staffing and programming. $5 a week. So I want to invite you, is God calling you to a bigger sacrifice next year? Is God calling you to a bigger sacrifice? Because there's a starting point. And I can't tell you what to do in your own home, but I can tell you what Kathy and I do. This is where we start. We start with what does hallelujah get? And you say, well, you're the pastor, you have to do that. And I say, no, I'm gently and respectfully, I'm a child of God, and he's asking me to do that. He's asking me to be a good steward of what he's first given Kathy and I, so we start. What does hallelujah get? And we go from there. And then the other lines come in, expenses, travel, things like that. But we start there. We start there. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. I want to uh, show you, it's 45 seconds long, it's going to end the message. Um, you may have seen this, it's uh, this last Halloween, it went viral, about 8 million views already online. Watch what happens with this little guy on, on trick-or-treating. Was it a Halloween trick? When young Jackson Champagne peered in the bowl, he came up empty. The treats were gone. As millions of kids nationwide filled their bags with goodies, this eight-year-old in Gambrels, Maryland, then decided to shell out himself. Not once, but twice, he dipped into his own stash to share with the next kids. Aww, that was really nice, Jackson. The home's owner was out trick-or-treating with her own child and later posted the doorbell video to Facebook, saying what a selfless act from this little guy. Nearly eight million views later, we all agree. On the spookiest of nights, a pint-sized kid with a big bag and a big heart makes the whole world a little sweeter. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. Isn't that awesome?
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, God loves a cheerful giver. There's no more cheerful giver than that kid. And I don't think he just gave the Almond Joys. I think he actually gave a Reese's there. I thought, he, I thought I saw something orange go in there. And God loves that. Let me end with this thought. For 25 years here at Alleluia, people have faithfully been filling that candy bowl. And as you approach it, as you think about being a steward of what God has first given you, will you reach into what he's given you and help fill up that bowl for this mission? Can we pray? Lord, thank you for your son's teaching from Scripture today. And I, I pray for those here today that found this to be challenging. Um, it, they're, they're struggling or they, they're not in a gr- good place financially, Lord, and I pray for them and I just ask your blessings upon them. And this message was not to make them feel that way, Lord. For all of us, I pray that you stir our hearts to be good stewards of not just our finances, but our time, our talents. Lord, we all have something to offer you. And Lord, stir us to sacrificial giving. Lord, stir our hearts in this congregation to be the church you want us to be, to be cheerful, faithful givers. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen.